my name is Todd, and I'm glad to be with all of you here today. Uh, what you just saw was one of our Psalms Challenge videos. And so uh, thank you very much, Miss Renee Henner Harrison, for sending that in. And uh, I'm going to start today with a couple of questions. And I'm going to ask you to help me on the answer to these questions. So here we go. Is it okay for a follower of Jesus to be deeply discouraged? Yes. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to ask that again, and I want you to help out this time. Is it okay for a follower of Jesus to be deeply discouraged? Yes, it absolutely is. I got another question. Make sure that we're getting this. Does a mental health struggle mean a lack of faith? No. We'll ask again. Does a mental health struggle mean a lack of faith? No, absolutely not. Uh, today, we are continuing in our If I'm Being Honest series through uh, passages of Psalms. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 42. In this prayer, in this song, uh, we're going to see that it's okay to be honest with God about our mental health struggles. When I say that, I'm talking about everything from occasional bouts of sadness and grief to diagnosed mental illnesses and everything in between. It's okay for us to be honest with God about those struggles. And we're going to read, I'm going to read Psalm 42 in, in just a moment, and the, the scripture will be on the screen so you can follow along. I'm going to ask you to help out uh, in, with verse 5 and verse 11, so when we get to those points, you'll see that it's underlined, and that's your cue to speak out loud uh, those uh, words. Psalm 42 is set up a lot like modern songs that we sing on the radio. There's a, a verse or a first part and then a refrain and then a, a second verse or second part and a refrain. And then chapter 43 actually continues and is a third part to this song, but, but we're not getting in there today. We're just sticking in chapter 42. So I'll read the first part of this song and then we'll all say the refrain in verse 5 together. Then I'll say the second part and we'll all say uh, the refrain in verse 11 together. All right, thumbs up. We got thumbs up? We got thumbs up? All right, ready? Set. Go. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O oh God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember the way it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. This is your part. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Miser, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night 
I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff, where is this God of yours? And all of us together, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. That's the word of the Lord, and we are thankful to him for Holy Spirit-inspired poems. A good practice, if you're uh, doing Bible study, Bible interpretation, just a good practice is to observe what you see in the text. As you read a passage, as you read a chapter, in this instance, as you read a psalm, uh, just take note of what you see. Take note of what's there. And so let's make some observations of Psalm 42. A few things that we're going to see very clearly as we look at the text. First, let's talk about external circumstances. Uh, the external circumstances here, the author of uh, this prayer, of this song, uh, seems to have been removed from where he wanted to be. He may have been a worship leader for the people of Israel, and he was removed from the sanctuary in Jerusalem. He longed to be there. He says, I remember how it, how it used to be, but I'm in this distant land now. He longed to be there with other worshipers, but for whatever reason, he was not able to be at the tabernacle in Jerusalem. Uh, that was not possible. And he wasn't in this, this other, uh, other place he was in. He wasn't surrounded by other worshipers. Instead, he was surrounded by enemies. He was, he was surrounded uh, by other people who questioned his faith, who questioned his God. They say, where is this God of yours? And so his external circumstances were, were hostile and they were not desirable. Uh, a second observation that we can make as we look at this text is the internal emotional condition. Now let's just look at some of the words and some of the imagery that's, that's used here in 42. Verse 3 talks about tears for food. Day and night, that's all I have to eat is tears for food. Uh, maybe you've been there before like, like I've been. And, and at night and your heart is hurting and, and you're just, oh, you're just, you're, just, you're, you're just distraught about the current situation. Maybe it's a, a broken relationship. Maybe, maybe it's a future and then you don't know what's around the corner. And you're just hurting at night and, and, and you just hope that when you wake up in the morning, things will be different. A door will be opened. Uh, you, you, your heart won't hurt like it is now. But you wake up. Tears, day and night. It's the same internal emotional condition here in Psalm 42 is tough. It is hurting. It makes me hurt just reading it. Oh, it makes my stomach oh, just, oh, just knots. My heart is breaking in verse 4. My heart is breaking as I remember the good, the good days, as I remember the good times, as I remember the circumstances that I want to be in now. My heart is breaking because I'm not there. Verse 6, I'm deeply discouraged. I'm wandering around in grief in verse 9. And so the internal emotional condition here is one of sorrow, uh, one of maybe even depression. Uh, this morning, uh, this morning I, I sang a song, uh, Jesus, Jesus loves me. 
And I'm going to get back to that in a minute, but just hold that, hold that in your head. Jesus, Jesus loves me. A third observation that he makes is that he, he asks why. He asks why, why am I feeling this way? Why are my circumstances this way? He asks himself, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Why can't I snap out of it? He asks God questions. Uh, we look at this. When will my circumstances change in verse 2? Uh, we, we go down to verse 9. And why have you forgotten me, God? Surely you wouldn't leave me in this state. Surely you wouldn't leave me in this, this position. Surely you wouldn't leave me hurting this way. Why have you forgotten me, God? Why must I stay in this position of, of grief and hostility? Why can't I move on? Why am I discouraged and sad? And something that we can just note there as we think about asking questions is it's okay for us to ask God questions Maybe you've been there before and, 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 and you're, you're hurting from the loss of a loved one and, and you just ask, God, why did you take this person from me? Why at this time did this happen? Why, why, why? And you may be crying and you may be raising your voice because you're frustrated. And that's okay to ask God questions. He can handle our questions he, in, in fact, wants, and in Scripture we see a model of asking him these tough questions when we're sad and when we're frustrated. Uh, you, you've been there uh, when, when you, you, you want your future to change. You want new circumstances. And you ask God, when are you going to open a new door for me? Why am I still here in this place? Why am I still dealing with this? When will you change things, God? We can ask God questions just as the psalmist does. A fourth observation we can make is that he remembers God. He says, uh, even though I'm deeply discouraged, in verse 6, even though I'm deeply discouraged, I will remember you. Uh, even though, as we, as we continue down in there, even though it feels like these waves of trouble, these waves of sorrow just keep hitting me and I'm drowning in them, even though I'm in the midst of that, God, each day you're good to me. Each day you pour your love and your grace upon me. Even as he's questioning, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. So even through these questions, even through this sadness, this sorrow, the psalmist remembers God. Back to Jesus Loves Me. This morning I sang the song, Jesus Loves Me, and some people would say that that's a children's song, and to that I would say, uh, fooey. I believe that that's a children's song and a man's song, a woman's song, a grandparent's song. I believe it's a pastor's song. And so I would encourage you to sing, Jesus Loves Me. Maybe it'll help you remember God. Maybe it'll help you remember his love upon you. Maybe it'll help you remember his grace every day. So in the morning, uh, on your way to work, sing, Jesus Loves Me. Tuesday, uh, when you're in the shower, sing, Jesus Loves Me. Wednesday, when you're washing your face, sing, Jesus Loves Me. Thursday, after you eat breakfast, sing, Jesus Loves Me. Friday, when you're working out, sing Jesus Loves Me. And Saturday, while you're relaxing on the back deck, sing Jesus Loves Me. And then Sunday, we'll all meet back together up here again. Jesus Loves Me. Remember God even in the midst uh, of these, these, these mental health, emotional, psychological struggles. I want to share a story with you. 
someone whom I know personally very well has had a lifelong struggle with a diagnosed mental illness. Uh, they have received treatment and continue to receive treatment uh, for this. A few years ago, they wrote down some encouraging words uh, to offer hope for other followers of Jesus who suffer with mental illness as they do. I'm going to share just an excerpt from their story, just, just part of it. We're not going to get the whole picture, but I'm going to share an excerpt from, from their story in their own words. I want to do this because I believe it's something that we can all resonate with, either from a personal uh, perspective or as a friend to someone else. I have been into the miry pit many times. Because of God's grace, I emerged time and time again to journey on. I want to read that line again. Because of God's grace, I emerged time and time again to journey on. Because of God's grace. I know what it is like to try to explain to someone who has never been depressed what it actually feels like, how crippling it is, and that you just can't snap out of it. I know what it feels like for the depression to grow, for paranoia to set in and compulsions take over. I know what a delusion is. I know what it feels like to inflict pain on your own body in order to feel anything at all. And I know what it feels like to be alone, to feel unloved, and to be convinced that you are unworthy of love. I know self-hate and loathing. I know what it feels like to believe that your family would be better off without you. And I know what it feels like to believe that the only answer to your pain is death. When I was blinded by illness, God protected me. Whenever I cried out for help, he comforted. Even in my worst moments, I knew that I had been blessed far more than I ever deserved. I have served in my church and community and shared Christ with others, all the while dealing with my own personal illness. I included that last line, and I'm going to read that again in just a moment. Again, this was just an excerpt from their story. We're not getting the whole picture. But they struggling with mental illness, struggling with psychological and emotional troubles, receiving help, receiving treatment as, 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 as they're, they're, they're dealing with this. But that does not mean that this person had a lack of faith. It doesn't mean that God cannot be glorified in their life. And that's why I wanted to make sure and include that last line that says, I've served in my church and community and shared Christ with others all the while dealing with my personal illness. We don't have to uh, erase our, 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 our sorrow. We don't have to uh, put away our grief. We don't have to uh, put, put, put a happy face on and act like we're not, there's not sadness in our heart in order to follow Jesus. We can press on following Jesus and helping other people find and follow Jesus through these struggles. Press on. Uh, what are some ways that we can press on in the midst of mental health struggles? When we're talking about this. We're not seeking a quick fix. Let's just act like everything's okay. Uh, sometimes these emotions and these struggles last for a while, last for months or years, maybe a lifetime. But that does not mean that we cannot serve Jesus. That does not mean that, that, that we lack faith. 
We can press on. A few years ago, I was having a conversation with a psychiatrist friend of mine about this, about this topic, and we were looking at it from a biblical Christian perspective. And I gleaned uh, from, from, from this friend four principles or four practices that can help us to press on uh, through these mental health struggles. I want to share some of those with you this morning. First off, remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Even if our thoughts, even if our emotions are telling us something different, we can remember biblical truth. There is a God, and by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are his children, and nothing can separate us from his love. We can hold on to that truth. A second principle that can help us to press on in the midst of mental health struggle is to share our struggles. We can share with God in prayer. He's not afraid of our questions. He's not going to be displeased with us if we cry before him or if we ask him why. We see other followers of God doing that in the scriptures. It's okay for us to share our struggle. He knows what we're thinking. He knows how you're feeling. And so we can be honest. We can be real with him about that. We can also share with other trusted Christian friends. But I'm going to tell you two things I'll never trust. I don't trust trees and I don't trust stairs because trees are shady and stairs are always up to something. That was free. That was free. I got them for days. That's why you see this bag of Laffy Taffy up here. All right. Speaking of trusted Christian friends, though, a great place to, 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 to find a, a group uh, of, of people that you can know and to whom you can be known and be real with about our struggles and our celebrations is, is in a, a, a small group. Here at Holland Chapel, we call those HC groups. Uh, they'll be kicking back off after Labor Day. And when COVID first, earlier this year, first really you know, started, started rocking our world, uh, the church here uh, got a subscription to Right Now Media. And uh, that's a, a video library of thousands of video uh, Bible studies for children, for adults, about family, about marriage, uh, teenagers, all sorts of things. And, and we got that one so that all of us, you know, as we were home, could have access to some good content, a good resource like that. And you can go to our website, go down to resources and click on Right Now Media link, and you can set up your free account to that, and you'll have access to all that on your phone, on your TV, whatever device you use. I'd encourage you to do that if you're not already taking advantage of it. And one of the new studies that is on there is facing anxiety. And I mentioned this, and I mentioned groups, because I imagine when our HC groups kick back off after Labor Day that some of our groups will be doing this study from there. And it's kind of around this thing that we're talking about today, but facing anxiety. So, so check that out. But we can share our struggles with God in prayer. We can share our struggles with other trusted Christian friends. It's a helpful thing uh, to do. A third practice that can help us to press on in the midst of mental health struggles is to persevere in spiritual disciplines. What does that look like? Well, when you're hurting, when you're sad, you may not feel like opening this Bible and reading it. But, but just that, that simple a discipline of opening God's word and continuing to communicate with him, even if you're grieving and opening up and reading God's word and, and praying to him, being real, being honest, as we know we can be, 
That's huge. A demonstration of faith. Uh, another practice is, is church community. And so we've got communication with God as an important spiritual discipline. And we've got involvement in a church community. And, and so, so you may not feel like coming because you're hurting. You may not feel like coming and standing and singing, but coming anyways to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ, to be among the crowds of worshipers. These are some spiritual disciplines that to persevere in, even when you're feeling low, that can be huge in helping you press on and following Jesus. A fourth a practice um, principle is to seek treatment. And with this, we're not talking about, uh, uh, again, we're not talking about a quick fix, but we're talking about the long game. Often, uh, this isn't something that, that we just snap out of, but there is sometimes some treatment that we can seek that might help us to press on. That might look like uh, speaking with a pastor and spending time with a pastor, uh, talking and looking, uh, looking at things from a biblical perspective and praying together. You might seek a professional counselor, and then also, uh, in some cases, Depending on the nature, the intensity, and the longevity of the symptoms, medication might be considered. Um, you may be wondering why there's two chairs up here, and that's because I'm going to invite somebody to come and share with us. And so uh, let's uh, make Jordan Vice feel welcome as she comes up. <clears throat> Jordan, thanks for uh, joining us this morning. You can have a seat. And uh, I don't want to keep all the humor to myself, and so here's your bag of Laffy Taffy. Uh, they've got good jokes, and they've got great candy. It's a win either way. Uh, but Jordan is a licensed professional counselor. Uh, she has an MS in clinical mental health counseling from Henderson State, and she's worked in that field for 12 years. And so we're talking about seeking treatment, and I thought it would be a great idea just to hear from a counselor about what counseling, counseling looks like. And so, Jordan, could you tell us just what are some of the, the struggles that people might come and, and, and see a counselor for? Sure. So um, people a lot of times come to counseling just for some of the reasons you mentioned earlier, anxiety, depression, grief, trauma, um, behavior problems, relationship issues, you know, and those are things that everybody faces, men, women, children, couples, families. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So this counseling is not just for, uh, just for uh, children, uh, but men can, can see a counselor and that's okay, and, and women and married couples and families. Uh, how does someone just Google counselor or how do a lot of people come into the office there? How do they find out about uh, a counselor? Sure. So I guess a lot of people probably do, you know, search online, go out on their own and just look for a counselor. Um, but then they may also be referred over from maybe their doctor or a friend, a family member. And then sometimes churches and school districts will refer to an outside counselor as well. All right. So someone might see, you know, might be dealing with some, some real emotional, psychological uh, struggles and say, you know, I need, to, I need to seek help. And so they might call you or they might be referred because they've shared that struggle with, with, with friends from a church or, or with a counselor or a teacher at school. And so they might get referred there. Uh, got you. Very good. And, and, and then uh, what does it look like as far as getting getting started, getting set up uh, with, uh, with meetings? What does that look like? So usually people will come in for like their first appointment. That's what they call an intake, which is just getting background information, talking about what's going on, some of the reasons that maybe brought them to counseling, 
We'll set up some goals, things that they may want to take from those sessions, and then we'll also discuss um, how often are they going to come in. Do they, do they need to come in maybe every few weeks, every week, every month? Um, and that just varies based on the nature of the issue and school schedules, work schedules, things like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so someone's having a struggle. Uh, they seek out or they get referred to, connected with a professional counselor, have an intake, kind of the get to know you, this is what's, what's going on in my life, and, and set up those schedules. And then how does, how does, we're talking about seeking treatment, helping us press on, so how does counseling actually help or benefit a person? So people will come in and, you know, I approach it just kind of like this, like a conversation, and they learn tips and strategies about how to deal with things. Um, they get an, an objective perspective on some of the situations they may be facing. And then for some people, it's, it's just an accountability thing. It gives them somebody to check in with and help keep them on track. For kids, maybe it is learning how to interact better with other kids at school or maybe siblings or their parents. Hey, sign, sign, sign me up. Uh, help them learn some ways to interact with siblings. Uh, my older brothers, when I was growing up, I'm the baby. My older brothers could have used some counseling how not to bully and pick on on, on, on baby, baby brother. All right? Uh, so, so someone's having a conversation. They're able to come and have a conversation and share their struggle and talk to someone uh, who has a different perspective, who might be able to help them find some different strategies uh, to help them. And then uh, how long does this counseling relationship last? Uh, it, 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 it's not just like you don't have any magic words that can, can make someone feel better just like that, do no, you? Definitely not. No. So how long does that, does that last, and, 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 and how do you kind of wrap that up? So there are certainly people that choose or may feel like they need to come in for longer periods of time. Most people just come in for a handful of sessions and we get to a point where things are going pretty good for them and um, they can handle things on their own. And then I always make sure to leave that door open where if something does come up later down the road, they're always welcome to come back and we can tackle whatever's going on. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Jordan, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully in just this little talk here uh, about uh, seeing a counselor we've seen we, we've discovered that it's not a scary thing it doesn't mean uh we all need help we all need help when what we're we're dealing with we need help we need help from god we need help from one another and sometimes talking to a professional can help us also get that help that we need it doesn't have to be scary uh can be very helpful to set it up so thanks for walking us through what that could look like really appreciate that and jordan uh her sweet spot are these one-on-one -on -one conversations, but she really stepped out of her comfort zone this morning to come and share before all of us, and so uh, let's uh, let her know that we're thankful. All right, we began uh, this message by asking a couple of questions. We're going to ask those questions again, and I want you to help me with the answer again as well. Uh, is it okay for a follower of Jesus to be deeply discouraged? Yes. Does a mental health struggle mean a lack of faith? No, it does not. We looked at Psalm 42, beautiful Holy Spirit-inspired poem, and, and in that prayer, in that song, we saw that it's okay to be honest with God about our mental health struggles. God accepts us 
God wants us just as we are. When we come to him for salvation, realizing that we need forgiveness, realizing that we need a savior, he doesn't expect us to get cleaned up before we come to him. He wants us to come just as we are, uh, needy, in need of forgiveness, in need of a savior, in need of that unconditional love. And then as followers of Jesus, oh, life is tough and our heart hurts from time to time and we deal with grief, sorrow and sadness and brokenness all around us. And as followers of Jesus, we can continue to come to him just as we are. We can continue to come to him being honest about how we feel, being honest with our questions. That's okay. That's what God wants. That's what he desires from us. And so let's sing this last song together with that truth in mind. Please stand.